0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about folklore. USU Digital Folklore Project is out with the 2019 Digital Trends of the Year. Every year they put together this list and uh, it's a finger on the pulse of, uh, of the nation. Um, The most influential digital trends of 2019 were Greta Thunberg versus President Trump in the social justice category and Storm Area 51 in the serious fun category. Other contenders uh, included 30 to 50 feral hogs, Feeling Cute Might Delete Later, Uh, Epstein Didn't Kill Himself, and Table Cat. We have with us co-directors of the USU Digital Folklore Project. Uh, Jeannie Thomas is uh, the head of the Department of English at Utah State University. Thanks Good for coming morning. in. Good morning. And uh, Lynn McNeil is assistant professor of English at uh, USU. Happy to be here. Uh, both folklorists, mm-hmm. right? Um, so before we jump in, r- remind us what um, what are some of the things, apart from digital trends of the year, Jeannie Thomas, that you've Worked on.
1: I do legend in the supernatural and material culture. Okay. So I'm teaching a supernatural folklore class right now, and tomorrow is divination day. So. Divination day.
0: All right. Um, maybe we will have time to talk about that. Uh, just... Well,
2: let's derail yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. I want to talk divination day too. Yeah.
0: And Lynn McNeil, mm-hmm. uh, what yes. are some of the things you've worked on?
2: Um, similarly, I study legends, fake news, and then of course digital culture, digital trends, things like that.
0: Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's jump right in. Well, first of all, before we jump into the list, um, this is, Jeannie Thomas has been happening since 2014, yes. when you started compiling this list? Correct. Uh, what was it about 2014 that, uh, I guess, the internet had coalesced enough by uh, then? or Lynn and I had coalesced you, enough l- by then. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you, you, you had the idea, and uh, off you went. Yeah, okay.
1: uh, well, I had the idea for a little while, and I, I this is Lynn's major area of research, and I, and I needed so, I needed an expert, and I needed somebody crazy enough to join in with me, and yeah. she was mm-hmm. wonderful and crazy enough to say,
2: hey, yeah, let's do this.
0: Yeah, so Lynn, what's the process?
2: Well, you know, so one of the things that that, that sort of kicked us off was the idea that when people think folklore, they don't think digital folklore, and something like this could maybe. Get people's attention on it, let people know that one, we study this year and two, it's a value. And so what we do is we basically spend the year. And when I say we, I mean, Jeannie and I and our research team made up of staff and grad students and faculty in the English department, um, Doing what everyone does online, following the trends, watching what's happening, seeing what's coming through our news feeds and on Twitter, and sort of identifying the stuff that keeps cropping up, the stuff that seems significant, poignant, especially funny, something that people really seem to be flocking to. We gather up all of these examples over the course of the year, and we file them away in an archive. And at the end of the year, we all get together and sit down and kind of say, okay, what what was big? What mattered this year? And one of the coolest things that, that I think we have going for us is that it's not just counting. It's not a numbers game. There are a lot of other outlets. I think Time Magazine does a meme of the year, and they'll often use what was reposted the most or what got the most hits on Google. And we really try and take sort of that ethnographic approach of what really said something. And sometimes that correlates with the numbers, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we have something that might be a fairly small trend, but that as folklorists, we look at and say, this was really important for the people who shared it. So at that meeting, we get in lots of exciting fights where we all try and back the trends that we love the most Mm -hmm. and argue for getting them on the ballot because the ballot has to be fairly short. And then we send it out to a panel of expert folklorists across the country, and they vote.
0: Mm -hmm. So, Jeannie Thomas, what does this mean in the folklore world? Like, I imagine this would be a, a treasure. Yeah, yeah. You, to, to get this kind of a thing to put your finger on the pulse before the digital era, you'd have to go out in the field and talk to a bunch of people, I guess. Yeah,
1: we still like talking to people. Okay. But, yeah. but um, we, this is, there's always been an interest in archiving, and we just have this incredible. You know, the internet is a giant archive that you can never find anything in when you want to seek it again. So, um, because of link rod and things disappearing and just, it's all supposed to be out there, but it does disappear. So we were like, what's important to save and literally archive? And we are actually working with USU libraries to archive some of this stuff. So there's always been an archival interest in documenting, capturing folklore. And that's just what we're doing. We're just doing it in the digital age. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, let's jump into the list. Um, so uh, number one, in at least in the, uh, you have a couple of categories, social justice category, mm-hmm. and the other one is the serious fun category. Yeah. So let's start with the social justice category, Greta Thunberg versus President Trump. <laughs> Who wants to tackle this one?
2: You know, Go. this is just so interesting because I feel like after the first year is when we came up with two different categories because we realized that the... It is really apples to oranges on the internet sometimes. There's some fun, silly stuff out there, and there's some really significant, meaningful stuff out there. And the significant stuff always, you sort of, if you're the voter, you sort of feel like, well, I have to pick this, you know, serious social movement over this cute picture of a cat. And so we separated out the categories, but We're surprised to discover how often the serious fun category is really significant um, and how often the social justice category is often really fun. So these particular memes of Greta versus Trump use a lot of the images that we've seen from the media of, you know, small, petite, young Greta just staring daggers at the president of the United States. And then we might get a caption that exemplifies that feeling or, um, you know, a labeling of, you know, who Greta is standing in for and who's Trump standing in for in in this particular instance. And I think it really speaks to the power dynamic that that people sense in that particular relationship. I mean, we have a a person who you know, earlier in, in history, might not really have a voice, a 16-year-old girl from Sweden. And suddenly she has this incredible stage and has this power to take on world leaders.
0: Mm. And I've, I've, I've pulled this up. This is um, from a website um, uh, that, that touts this as a Greta Thunberg glares at Trump meme <laughs> maker. So they've got <laughs> the video of this. And I'm not sure where, where this is. But, but World
1: Climate Summit. World Climate Summit. This past fall. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, so it focuses on uh, Greta Thunberg. It pulls out to watch Trump walking past. And then she does gl- she does glare at him. She's yeah,
1: <laughs> it's a very real. I mean, we're used to these kinds of environments where you see all these world leaders and they're very, you know, they're in their suits and they're very buttoned up and professional. And this was a very real moment. And, Ra, you could just see. Her anger and concern and one of the things I love about this project is when I research these I often find more there than I knew um, first of all I just and I was surprised that this one won but this the students send these out to a panel of, of judges across the nation so professionals in this field or related fields and they pick and they picked her but I have to I have to give them um, cred because um, then after they picked her Time magazine apparently got wind of it Mm and also named her Person of the Year. Right. But she is, um, I think she's 16 then, she's 17 now. But she actually, um, I was thinking she reminds me of Jeanne d'Arc. You know, it's that same kind of young person leading this revolution, inspiring people. And uh, the more I read about her, the more interesting she got. She has Asperger's. Mm -hmm. And her parents didn't want her to do this, as you might. You know, Mm -hmm. know, know, don't bring all this attention and, and controversy to yourself. So they were against it. Um, She also suffers from depression, and what she is saying is, this really helped me. To have some place to channel my concerns really helped me, and she could really focus on it. And so it kind of, her parents have come around, and she started this movement where students um, express their concerns about climate change on Fridays. Mm -hmm. So she's become um, a voice of a generation, and and a very real voice, which we don't see that much in our very managed, mediated age. Yeah.
0: What are some examples of of the memes? Do you have any examples of...
1: She will... um, They'll be like... They'll be Greta... Gre- they're, they're ones where Trump is labeled as something and Greta is labeled as something else. So it'll be like, under Greta, it'll be me when my parents ask me to do the dishes, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or um, you know, Trump will be labeled dinosaurs and Greta will be labeled the big meteor, you know, things like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then Greta's glaring at, at Trump. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's, uh, and you mentioned uh, um, time person of the year, and uh, I. I I think we can say with with some certainty that President Trump really really wants to be person of the year he, <laughs> uh-huh. he's very disappointed every year when he's not right <laughs> yeah. um and so therein lies the tale there there's another oh, interaction that's, a, that's between, a really good point between president Trump and Greta Thunberg. um so he went on Twitter and said uh, told her to work on her anger management problem
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. and then what did she do?
1: she quoted him she used yeah. it she used it as her as her tag in her You know, so she's turning that around. It's ironic, too, because he's incredibly, as he should be, protective of his own son. Mm -hmm. But he went after another kid. Mm -hmm. So um, and she just she just trolled him nicely by by saying, thank you for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She she changed her bio, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, To a a direct quote, including uh, he told her to go to an old fashioned movie with a friend. <laughs> she put that directly up there, so don't mess with the younger generation yeah, what you're, yeah. they're
1: they're better at their... social media yeah. than we are
0: uh, Trump's not bad right he's 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 got a he's got a huge following, but uh but i th- I thought that was yeah the, but the, but a the good, meme is
1: telling him he's a dinosaur, yeah, yeah. the meteors right. are gonna get him sooner right. or later right mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yep um so what is this uh, what uh, taking it to folklore? What what is the What are what are we expressing when we do these memes? Then you get this famous moment of Greta Thunberg mm-hmm. glaring at President Trump, and then I guess you can put whatever you want there.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of things going on there, and one of them is that, like all folklore, memes give everyday people the opportunity to elevate the people in the world that they find important. So Time Magazine can sort of swoop in and say, we have this gravitas and this, you know, historical presence as an institution of publication. And we mm-hmm. decree that that Greta is the person of the year. But memes are how all the rest of us get to say, here's who we think is important. Here are the, the instances and events and human beings that we find worthy of turning into avatars for ourselves. And that's a really interesting thing that memes have done for us is that we sort of get to hire out actors now but for free to communicate for us. If I want to glare at someone online, I can have Greta do it for me now. You know, if I want to roll my eyes at someone, I can have any of a number of famous celebrities from sitcoms who roll their eyes and I can I can sort of outsource these reactions and we can see that development over time that, you know, early on in the internet we had sort of ways of marking off physical reactions. Someone might put the phrase rolls eyes in asterisks, you know, and then we might have gotten an eye rolling emoji. And now we have I can have John Stewart from The Daily Show roll his eyes at my friends for me. And so it's just sort of this increasingly adept grassroots way of expressing ourselves using all of these little bits and pieces of culture that are around us. Mm.
0: Uh, this is grassroots, isn't it? Oh, yeah, gee, that's, that, that's why you preserve it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: comes up from the people. This is how we communicate, how we're feeling, and um, we often the grassroots often has more fun with even serious stuff than like the Time Person of the Year is very official. Uh, Greta's been nominated twice for the Nobel Peace Prize. That's all official. That's all news, but what sort of spin do everyday folks put on this? And mm-hmm. you know, they they like keyed in on that that key real moment
2: early on this year in 2022. We saw. Um, a, a sort of related trend online that was sort of alternately called um, Shamed by Greta or Greta shaming, where people were cutting out pictures or printing out photos in the physical world of Greta and putting them. Um, on the wall near their office's supply of disposable cutlery, for mm. example, mm-hmm. or plastic wear or something that they found to be maybe egregiously anti-environment so that if you're going to go in that office and use a plastic fork or a plastic spoon, you're going to get glared at by Greta mm. standing there reminding you, hey, that's not really environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. And, and so that it's a playful way of sending someone a message like sure you could post a sign that says hey be environmentally conscious and don't take too many plastic spoons or you can just stick a picture of Greta glaring at you there and Hmm. say the same thing but in a in a more playful evocative way
0: Hmm. let's uh let's move to the winner for the um serious fun category so th- I, I've totally missed this one. Storm Area 51. Tell me about this.
1: I love this one. So um, this was um, a college, a 20-year-old college student living with his parents. And he. there's a folk tradition that I want you to keep your license. So I will not say the word, but it's basically crap posting where <laughs> where guys, you know, guys in their parents' basement just throw up a bunch of junk, silly stuff as fast and as furious as they can hoping to get likes. And that's what this guy was doing and he was like, you know, the government can't keep us out of Area 51 in Nevada where they, you know, have been holding aliens and doing all this secret UFO stuff. If we all storm it, we can do it. And it took off. It went viral and people got really into it. And it was meant as basically a crap post, a joke. Mm. And um, then people were like, no, let's plan it. And they also started making memes of, you know, groups of people running towards Area 51 to get into (laughs) Area 51. And I think... um, you know, um, nobody, I think, does... The youth specializes in screwing around, and this is sort of the epitome of this guy screwing around, and he comes up with this thing that everyone coalesces behind. So they were like, yeah, let's make an alien stock. We'll have this big party out in the desert. Well, the, the, the town by Area 51, Rachel, population 50, people live in Rachel because they don't want thousands of people descending upon them. They don't <laughs> want to be around other people. They freak out. The county freaks out because they're like cops, porta potties, mm. food. You know, this town has no gas station, no store, not even a street light. So like, oh my gosh. So of course lawsuits erupt and it kind of fizzles, but actually 3000 people did show up in the fall you know, um, in various kinds of alien garb, just having fun with it and enjoying the desert. Um, meanwhile, the the original college student pulled out, and, is, and there's lawsuits and counter suits going on with it. But it, it picks up on great themes like, um, you know, government conspiracy theories, which the internet loves, and rumor panics, and a really, really big party which what
2: college student doesn't love that, right? Right. So. And the power of the mob. I think we get a sense that we we can network like never before, thanks to the internet. And and I think there's a real anticipatory joy in the idea that hey, really, we really could take over a military base if enough of us got together and did this. And it almost doesn't even need to happen to for people to to sort of revel in the assertion of that potential power of of large numbers of everyday people being able to affect change.
0: Mm. So you can pinpoint this one to a particular person mm-hmm. and uh, um, it's just the power of, uh, I guess, the digital world.
2: Yeah, meanwhile,
1: what really happens is, is you get a handful of people suing each other and fighting over <laughs> porta-potties in the <laughs> desert. You right. know, it doesn't yeah. ever really happen, right. yeah. but the internet makes us feel good that it could. Exactly, yeah. there's
0: yeah. the promise of it. Yeah. yeah, or scared that it could, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, um, it I, I shows you how, far out of it I am I I read this as uh you know uh, adjective storm area 51 as in snowpocalypse oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome I I, well, I love it been shaped by the uh, internet I, snowpocalypse yes yeah, so you <laughs> know have, what a snowpocalypse I know is, a snowpocalypse so that's good
0: so I'm 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 not hip in any way shape or form but mm. uh, it's interesting to learn about this um, it you know it puts you in mind of um, you know creepy pasta and mm-hmm. and uh, slender man right
2: yeah absolutely you can point
0: to a particular mm-hmm. I mean this was invented
2: yep yep um, we know the exact day tale. and time and and post that kicked off this totally fictional creation and that doesn't mean that it didn't go completely viral and get picked up by so many people that now it's almost impossible for an you know, average everyday user of the internet to totally zero in on what what exactly happened and when it happened and how. Well, now we have documentaries about it. So yeah. now we are able to a little bit more. But it is a good illustration of how immediately obfuscated origins are yeah. on the internet.
0: Is Slender Man still going strong?
2: Less strong than it was before. Mm-hmm. Slenderman has sort of evolved into a different type of character now, the the cultural communicative work that he was doing earlier isn't kind of what he does as much now but there's other things filling in the gaps there there's mm-hmm. still plenty of stuff to be scared of on the internet
0: yeah and that, that that's where it goes to we we have fears mm-hmm. and those take forms yeah including slenderman yeah Oh, let's see. We need to. uh, It's time for a break. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get some other contenders. I'm interested in 30 to 50 feral hogs. (laughs) You should be. (laughs) Um, Feeling cute might delete later. That sounds interesting. Uh, Table cat. There's always cats in the, the internet. And much more. We're talking about the 2019 digital trends of the year with the co directors of the USU Digital Folklore Project, Jeannie Thomas and Lynn McNeil. More following this.
3: Utah's 2020 legislative session is in full swing and there can be a lot to watch. Visit upr.org or tune into our station from now until March to keep up to date with what's happening on Capitol Hill. All of our legislative coverage can be found on our website under the Programming tab. Just look for the Section 2020 Utah Legislative Session. Utah Legislative coverage is brought to you by our members and Planned Parenthood Association of Utah, offering health care at eight clinics across the state, as well as education for Utahns of all ages. Information at ppau.org. The arguments for and against removing President Trump have been made.
1: I submit to you on behalf of the House of Representatives that your duty demands that you convict President Trump.
0: The bottom line is that the president's opponents don't like the president and they really don't like his policies. Now it's time for senators to vote. Join us for special coverage of the final vote of the Senate impeachment trial from NPR News. Join us this afternoon at 2 right here on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Uh, We are talking with the co-directors of the USU Digital Folklore Project. Every year they put together the 2019 Digital Trends of the Year, and we're reviewing those on the program today. you'd like to join the conversation, you can call us, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or you can email us to UPRAxis at gmail.com, UPRAxis at gmail.com, maybe your favorite uh, meme or digital trend of the year. Uh, So uh, one of the contenders for 2019 uh, digital trend of the year was 30 to 50 feral hogs. Who
2: wants to tell (laughs) me about this one? You know, this one I just loved so much. I really really wanted it we to both win. Wanted it to I know. Win. It was we were sad. It it was sad. It's one of those ones that seems it is fun and silly, but it also had at its at its foundation a a pretty significant social issue and that was um the assault weapon ban and there was a post, it was um, musician Jason Isbell posted and said that no one ever has a need for an assault weapon, putting forward sort of that anti-gun stance. And there was a user on Twitter, his name was William McNabb, and he wrote back, and I'm quoting his tweet here. He says, legit question for rural Americans. How do I kill the 30 to 50 feral hogs that run into my yard within three to five minutes while my small kids play? And this was, I think, meant to sort of challenge like, Obviously, this is when you need an assault weapon. Like legit question. If I didn't have an assault weapon, how would I handle it? But it's so wonderfully specific 30 to 50 feral hogs within three to five (laughs) minutes. And people just took off with that random specificity. So there were parody song lyrics, the 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 Classic line, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard became my milkshake brings 30 to 50 feral hogs to the yard in three to five minutes while my kids play. And it's just, it it was so over the top, but such a seemingly sort of non sequitur way to argue this idea that people really ran with it. And so this was in August and it had it had this real surge then. But then in September, there were actual reports of bands of feral hogs approaching (laughs) the U.S.-Canada border. And it saw this huge resurgence as as people were sort of, you know, having their memory triggered of, wait a minute, I remember something about feral hogs. And suddenly that sort of got Lumped into the mm-hmm. thirty to fifty feral hogs as well.
1: This one is so great because you can go down. Um, one of the things I love is that they take you interesting places, and this is a great example. So when we were doing the research on this for the ballot write-up, I learned all this stuff about feral hogs <laughs> um, and um, like the kind, the caliber of bullet you would need to take one down, and actually, Texas wildlife officials will tell you that. Um, Probably an assault rifle wouldn't do it because wrong caliber bullet. Who knew? Mm. You know, so the assault rifle argument there is not good, although people apparently do use them because I learned that they are spreading and they're a real menace. They have gone from 18 states to 35 states they came in they escaped from the conquistadors so they're a legacy of colonialism so white people i guess we did this to ourselves Mm -hmm. these feral hogs um they can get up to 355 pounds they can be five feet long from tip of the nose to tail. So you can see why people might be freaked mm-hmm. out when they run into them. They breed really well and they're apparently little germ factories. Um, if you get, they have tusks and if you get attacked by them, infection is a real concern. There are more fatalities from wild hogs than sharks. Somebody should stop me. <laughs> no, no. I've got we my, want you to keep. My going.
2: My no, no, we want you to keep going, yes.
1: Uh, and so, um, and, and they're hard to get rid of and mm-hmm. people say, and William McNabb was told, well, if you're worried about your kids, and apparently he had, you know, some incidents, but no children were ever harmed in any of in any of the making of these tweets. But um, people said, well, build a fence. Well, that would probably be a good idea, but some people can't fence them out because they have big properties. So um, researchers are talking. They say you can actually use fences with flags on them because they do want to run unless cornered. Um, flashing lights. Um There are people who talk about, um, you know, hog birth control and trying to get them on the hog pill, I guess, you know, I mean, but actually, it turns out that hunting is not really that efficient of a way to do it. And so right now, they say trapping, although they're smart. If anyone has worked around pigs, they know pigs are smart animals, and they will eat anything, even small children. So, you know, there's that concern and we always in the oral tradition we always have um, stories about and legends about we want to protect the small innocent children so Mm -hmm. i can you can see where this comes Mm -hmm. out of reality and there's kind of a an urban versus rural dynamic Mm -hmm. in this one urban people are going why, look, this is an oddly specific thing and, and feral hogs, you know, mm. who knew? Whereas, you know, people from Arkansas are going like, it's a thing in this mm-hmm. state. We're really worried. <laughs> so you saw that play out, too. Right. So there are yeah. all these interesting levels.
0: All, all the things you can learn about feral hogs, yeah.
2: It's really it, true. And th- this one was a really popular meme for, for sort of intertextuality where it was combined with other memes. There's, there's often one of the big appeal of memes is simply getting it. So you see some obscure reference, some song lyric or a poem or an image that's been altered to reference 30 to 50 feral hogs. And there's that little jolt of like, I'm in on the joke. I know what this is talking about. I get this. And that's a a quality that we see in memes a lot is sort of the layering of different memes all put together so that there's really a lot to sort of unpackage there. So you Mm -hmm. can sort of say, okay, I get all of this. Like I'm up on Internet culture. I, I see what this is. And this one is is one of those ones that's subtle enough to sort of. In interject into something else that it ends up being used in that way a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: And as you say, that it started with the real world uh, issue, gun mm-hmm. control, gun rights, right? Mm-hmm. And then intersects with a real problem. Then you have urban versus rural. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot, a lot going on uh, on there. Um, tell me about feeling cute might delete later. That sounds intriguing.
1: I think this is a generational one. Um, so this one began with. Um, oh, it's kind of making fun of the selfie generation. You know, people were, um, first of all, there was a SpongeBob version of this, but a lot of people would do a selfie, you know, and they'd be, you know, nicely looking cool, hair's looking good, I'm going to take a selfie. I'm in my car, I'm going to take a selfie. Feeling cute, might delete later. And then um, what kind of tickled me about this is, And I haven't seen a lot of this in the stuff we've looked at on the Internet. There was kind of occupational folklore take where Mm -hmm. all these people start doing it on their jobs. And these are like, so the farmer's out in the field and he's, you know, basically got his muck boots on and he's. Posed like a pinup outside his tractor saying, feeling cute, might feed the cows later, you yep. know. Or the um, the city guy has got a photo of himself kind of draped over his steering wheel in the city truck saying,
2: feeling cute, might shut off your water later. The UPS guy yeah. saying, feeling cute, might deliver your package later. I don't know, you know. And, and I do think that there's a fun, it's accurately targeting sort of the false humility or the false disinterest that people might often display online. I mean, clearly often these are very carefully staged selfies where someone has really taken some time to get themselves in the right pose, get their hair or their clothing or their makeup just right, hold the phone in exactly the right place. And then sort of this over the top nonchalance of, I don't know, feeling cute, might delete it later, <laughs> you know, and, and sort of targeting in on that that interplay there, I think, is one of the fun commentaries that mm-hmm. we get with this one. Yeah,
1: yeah
0: that, that sounds like a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, they're making fun of humble brags, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. 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 yeah, And there's a it's kind of a generational thing going on here. Right?
1: Oh, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. Some, some
0: mm-hmm. I guess, uh, older generation making a little fun of the younger generation, maybe? Or?
1: Yeah, that never happens on the internet. Yeah, no, never. <laughs>
2: okay, boomer.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, by the way, did okay, boomer make the list?
2: Kind, kind of. of. <laughs> I was a little disappointed by this. Yeah, we we had... Um,
1: Sadly, Lynn and I do not rule the world. Yeah. I
2: know, man. We, we can't
1: get everyone we want
2: on. Yeah. We, uh, we hedged it in there with um, another contender, which was actually really, I think, interesting in a unique form, which was role-playing social media groups. So there's a proliferation in the past year of Facebook groups, especially, that are entirely dedicated to people, basically just... Getting to play act stereotypes online. So, for example, and the example we highlighted in our ballot entry was um, that group where we all pretend to be baby boomers. And that's that is literally the title of the group, the group where we all pretend to be baby boomers. And the rules for participating in that group on Facebook are you can only post in character and you have to post in ways that you think a baby boomer 'll post. So we get, I mean, it's egregious stereotyping, lots of minion memes, um, lots of all caps writing, lots of people failing to understand, like entering their password and things like that, or or you know, typing in a question for Google and it's in a Facebook comment or something like that. Um, and it really intentionally sort of highlights how we see or how we see in the most sort of broad stroke stereotypical sense, a particular group of people. And since we chose a baby boomer group for this ballot entries example, we were sort of able to rope in the the entire OK Boomer idea. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that OK Boomer thing, though, because mm-hmm. it just gives you the sense of, of um, you know, millennials and Gen Z's exhaustion with the baby boomers like, mm-hmm. oh, there they go again. OK, mm-hmm. Boomer, you know, mm-hmm. we'll just tolerate you. But Mm -hmm.
2: One of my favorite crossover memes with this, and and it was too late in the year and hopefully it'll make it on next year's ballot, are all the Baby Yoda memes. And so we get a whole lot right at the end of 2019 of Baby Yoda featured in the Disney show The Mandalorian from the Star Wars universe, mm. um, saying okay boomer. It's a really popular response gif now. So that if someone is behaving in what you consider to be a stereotypically boomer sort of way, you can just post this picture of baby Yoda holding a soup bowl saying, Okay boomer, mm. which I love.
0: Yeah. Uh wonderful. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad that snuck in there. <laughs> uh so one of the contenders was Epstein didn't kill himself. This is uh, obviously he refers to Jeffrey Epstein who yeah. uh, who uh uh, you know, news reports uh, say he committed suicide in in his cell, but there's the conspiracy theories Yeah, so he abound.
1: Could, yeah, because he could bring down a lot of, you know, big people. There are t- two threads that I saw commonly. You know, the right Trump killed him. There's some involvement there. Or the Clintons, of course, mm-hmm. killed him because there's some involvement there because he knew both groups of people, and he had all this information that could bring them down. And, you know, there's enough what um, – Oh, ambiguities there that it just opens up the door for these kinds of rumors to walk in. And the internet, if it loves, if it loves one thing more than cats, it might be conspiracy theories. Yep. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, why do you think that is? It's, I mean it's predates the internet, right? Oh, and definitely. We would always have and always probably always will have conspiracy theories. What's yeah. what's th- going on there, do you think?
2: I think that there's a sense that conspiracy theories are often sort of considered marginal information. It's it's the official outlets, the media outlets, the government, sort of our institutions that are pushing their story or their versions of things, and it's always been sort of the work of the of the dedicated or maybe even obsessed, you know, Little people who are digging up the truth and finding this information. And I think that's a mode that really proliferates online. And it's if you get into a nice, handy echo chamber online, you can start to convince yourself that, yeah, there isn't any evidence against what I'm talking about. And it really sort of lends itself to that idea. I think one of the things that interested me about this meme was that rarely was the meme – any detailed elaboration of the conspiracy. That was certainly there. But what really took off as a trend were sort of jokes about non-sequitur appearances of this particular phrase, this idea, Epstein didn't kill himself. So we see, like, one of the more random ones that we saw was it was a tub of I can't believe it's not butter that had been Photoshopped to say, I can't believe Epstein didn't kill himself. Um, And it's just sort of that idea of, like, this idea is sneaking in and when you're least expecting it, someone's going to pop up and say Epstein didn't kill himself. Um, and I think that that it, to me, it almost speaks to like this exhaustion or apathy with conspiracy theories that it's just sort of like this is so everywhere. This is so ubiquitous. It's on our butter tubs. It's on our license plates. It's in all these places. It's so obvious. And yet it's never going to be resolved. Mm-hmm. We're never going to find out the truth. Yeah.
0: And now it's you know it's at the highest levels it's embedded into the impeachment mm-hmm. case um, you know you you talk to uh, you know majority people and they'll they'll say they accept that okay the theory about the Biden's the theory that the the server in Ukraine uh, that's all been disproven but if you talk to Rudy Giuliani for example, he says I got evidence mm-hmm uh, i've been all over ukraine and i got this evidence
2: it's our and, post-truth society today. yeah yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah and it's sort of you know information is, has become made way more democratic for good and ill i mean mm-hmm. you can you can just push your push your, push your theory and push your theory and push your theory and just keep rehearing it and not have to listen to anybody else and so um you know as a as we started a new decade i thought about well what have 10 years of the internet rot and uh, you know I thought about you know I'm I'm Gen X so I may be a little darker I don't know but I thought about oh you know we start off with high hopes for the internet and you know internet startups were unicorns and you know there was much to be celebrated and we do celebrate the voice of the ordinary people at the same time you know I was thinking uh, who's winning out there in the internet world? I it's kind of um, gotten out of our hands, and I think the trolls have it over the unicorns at the very moment, and <laughs> so, we're still trying to figure out how to deal with that. Some
2: good folkloric imagery there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Unicorns yeah. versus
0: yeah. trolls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unicorns versus trolls. Supernatural right? <laughs> battle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, talk to me about trolls. This is a. I I think anything on the internet's probably had a precedent. <laughs> Right before yeah. the internet, oh. there are people who are tr- provocateurs, yeah, and right, culture before, jammers. Yeah, and... b- before the internet, but now a much wider audience. Yeah, one of, the,
2: one of the big concepts that that people who study the internet talk about is the idea of amplification. Is that we live in an era where information. It, it's there, and information has always been there, but it moves faster, it reaches farther, and the ability of people with a variety of different agendas, both you know, well-meaning and nefarious, have this ability to really amplify information that serves their own ends, and that's a, a thing that we struggle with. That's one of our. Ideas of Russian bots, the sort of trope that we have, that there's machines out there now amplifying information that serves one party and not another or something like that. That And that is something that we – have to contend with as everyday users of the internet as well. The more often particular terms are used or hashtags are referenced, we are changing the landscape of what other people will find. And that's really, I think, what's unprecedented with the internet is this opportunity for amplification of information rather than the information itself.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, helpful information and not so helpful, kind of that dark theme that you were Mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Let's take another break. When we come back, um, we'll, we'll talk about Tablecat Cat mm-hmm. and much more uh, from the Digital uh, Trends of the Year for 2019. We're talking with the co-directors of the USU Digital Folklore Project, Jeannie, Jeannie Thomas and Lynn McNeil. More following this.
3: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members. And Nicely, offering business marketing solutions including web development, video production, graphic design, and commercial photography. Located at 43 South 100 West in Logan. Information at madenicely.com.
2: On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll get into the hypnotic groove of African blues and trace its origins back to West Africa and the Southern Sahara i'm rosalie howard join us for african blues the next Putumayo world music hour
1: join us friday night
2: at 10 on utah public radio I'm Stephen Dubner. On the next Freakonomics Radio, does sugar meet the four criteria that regulated products like alcohol and tobacco meet? The answer is yes, it does. Absolutely. Some people are much less sure. We have no clue, no real good evidence that it's going to do any good whatsoever. There's a war on sugar. Is it justified? That's next time on Freakonomics Radio.
3: Tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock on Utah Public Radio.
0: Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We reached our last segment with uh, Jeannie Thomas and Lynn McNeil. They're co-directors of the USU Digital Folklore Project. Every year, they uh, uh, put together the list of the uh, digital trends of the year. We're reviewing 2019s. And we've talked about Greta Thunberg versus President Trump. Storm Area 51, uh, with storm being a verb. Well, <laughs> 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 I'm uh, cracking myself up on how unhip and out of it I am. But, um, (laughs) and uh, let's see, uh, other contenders were 30 to 50 feral hogs, which is just delightful. I guess unless you're attacked by 30 to 50 feral hogs.
2: Less delightful.
0: Uh, Less delightful. Feeling cute might delete later. And uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. Uh, So Table Cat was another contender. Tell me about this.
2: Yeah, Table Cat is sort of a classic image macro. There's two different pictures that were not occurring at the same time or in the same moment originally they've been sort of put together Um, one is from a 2011 episode of um, real housewives of beverly hills where a woman is very obviously upset sort of tearfully angrily yelling leaning forward pointing at someone the other image is of a white cat sitting in front of a plate of vegetables (laughs) looking variously disgusted smug (laughs) upset it's 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 Lots of different expressions have been attributed to this particular white cat, um, which is unrelated. This was a picture posted in 2018 that just sort of worked really well. And it looks as though the woman and the cat are opposite each other at the Mm. table. And this has become a – this is maybe even numbers-wise the most popular meme that we have on our list. Um, It's sort of a typical object labeling meme where the woman is labeled something and the cat is labeled another thing. And you're sort of enacting the relationship between those two things you know, but through this visual portrayal. So I know one sort of mundane one that I saw was that the woman screaming and crying is, um, you know, me and the cat is my insomnia. <laughs> you know, just sort of looking at me smugly and not caring about my anger, you
0: know. And what is it about cats? From the very beginning of the, uh, you know, the, the internet, we've had cats,
1: they're quirky. Yeah. yeah. And inscrutable at the same time. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting because the dogs of the internet are very breed specific. Corgis and Shiba Inus are, are two of the most popular dog breeds on the internet. We get a lot of memes about them specifically. Um, but cats are just cats. All cats. Yeah. All and cats on the internet. Cats just yeah.
1: don't care. And yeah. they project that well. Yeah. yeah. Unless unless you've... Um, hidden a cucumber behind them and scared them and (laughs) then they lose their cool and we love that too
0: is that the way to make a cat lose its cool Mm -hmm. oh yeah and there's tons
1: tons of of videos about that and and images of cats being scared by cucumbers
0: yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, and that's uh, i think cats have uh, all those cat memes uh, you know and and videos uh that's where it's kind of become an icon for oh the internet's just become a wasteland
1: yeah yeah, you know it makes all the me, cat videos, right? It makes me think we haven't really recognized our judges have not recognized the cats. We're gonna have to.
2: I know we may have
1: to work on that. I'm I'm worried about the cats or the. The dogs either, really. Yeah. They,
2: mean, they, it they, almost seems like they're taken for granted.
1: They just skipped right over them and went to the
2: hogs. You yeah. know, I don't Man. know. Hogs are clearly <laughs> standouts in this field full of cats right. and shiba inus and corgis.
0: Sexier as of 2019, anyway. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Maybe more, a little bit more relevant to
0: 2019. Yeah. Uh, so what are the other contenders for, uh, for
2: 2019? You know, one of the ones that that struck me that was not on my radar, which is one of the nice things sort of about the way we do this. We have our research team. Each of us has our own corners of the internet that we hang out in and reside in, and and that's reflected in what ends up being brought to the table, potentially on the ballot. But we even go beyond that. We crowdsource this idea and ask other people, any people, anyone listening right now can contribute to the Digital Folklore Project by tweeting the trends that they notice that come out of their online communities and their online experiences using the hashtag digital trend of the year or to our Twitter account, which is digfolkproj, the Digital Folklore Project on Twitter. Um, and so we get breadth and, and diversity from bringing in these other ideas from other people. And this one was new to me, and it's um, mocking J.K. Rowling quite specifically. So J.K. Rowling, of course, is the author of the Harry Potter series, um, which is now a billion dollar franchise. And she's been doing a strange thing on social media lately, which is trying to sort of backfill details about her book series mm. that didn't make it into the book mm. sort of, you know, letting us know, you know, this particular character was gay or this particular actually was an orphan, you know, and you're, you're sort of like, well, why are you doing this? And it's interesting because it's a it's an activity that's done all the time by fans that give us things like fan fiction and fan art where fans sort of fill in the holes that um, an officially published canonized book series gives us with their own ideas of this is how I always imagined that second cousin of you know Neville looking but JK Rowling now with that authority of being the author of these books has come in and started doing this and it is really rubbing people the wrong way hmm. and so people have started now sort of making serious Jokes and and trying to push the boundaries, kind of making parodies of things J.K. Rowling might say. So, for example, one of the things we included in our in our ballot was someone pretending to quote J.K. Rowling saying that Dobby threw the first brick at Stonewall. <laughs> Which, you know, just sort of like why are why are we why are we creating this alternate past mm-hmm. for the characters you designed? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that illustrates that once, as an author, as a creator, is once you send it out it kind of doesn't belong to you anymore, right?
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I've wondered about that too because um, I think they're fans and they're genuinely ticked at her. Uh, She's claiming some of the territory, their territory, fan fiction territory. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's sort of, you know... she's got a big presence it's sort of like hey jk you have a room of your own leave us alone yeah and i also think there's some there might be some generational stuff to this because i think um some of these folks were probably when they were kids really fans of hers but Mm -hmm. you know they're now older and more sophisticated and they're like come on jk Mm -hmm. you know and they're mocking her which is something you see over and over again in the folk tradition A, a lot of um children's folklore for example involves mocking whatever you were into as a little kid so if you mm-hmm. watch the the barney tv show like my kids did and there was the the song that i could never get out of my head about you know i love you you love me that kind of thing and and you know my daughter was in love with barney for much of her early childhood and then pretty soon she's singing about hanging barney from a tree mm-hmm. so I, I wondered if this is a more adult version of that that very thing with the with the Harry Potter fans, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. It seems like the Star Wars universe would be ripe uh, for Mm -hmm. this kind of thing, because yeah, any George Lucas kind of tinker, you know, Mm -hmm. tinkers with that universe.
2: Any fandom really is there. There's sort of the this is what we've been provided by the the official owners of this content, and now here's what we've gone and done with it. And we've actually, I mean, Star Wars is a great example. It's now been around for forty something years, and we see. In especially the most recent films that were made, this tension between fans had a little bit already decided maybe what the background of some of these characters were or what the extended universe model was. And now here's a new director or a new screenwriter with the gall to tell us what how they think it actually happened. And if that doesn't line up with fan sentiment, then we have sort of a, a divisive argument here. And the last two films were a perfect example of that. People felt that That episode eight was too far a deviation from sort of what the canon had set up. And then movie nine was by a lot of people just considered sort of pandering fan service that that brought wrapped everything back up, sort of undid what the previous film had done. And there are people on both sides of all of it.
0: Uh, So we have about five, six minutes left. Um, Maybe. uh... From each of you, uh, uh, another one on the list?
1: Well, um, so I think we pretty much covered our list. I would just like to um, shout out to my students who I have my undergrads tweet along, and the reason that I do this is because I want them, they're surrounded by this world, and the, you know they're on their phones when they're hanging out or waiting at the doctor's office or whenever. So I want them to get used to being reflective about it and aware of it. So they tweet along with us, and I want them to, to see it and then think about it. What does it mean? What does it do? And one of my favorite ones, so they've been, um, you know, I kind of track the months that way. January has been about the, the fires in Australia, and um, those fall into, there's, patterns in the disaster tweets, like often there's a uh, touching rescue of an animal, horses, Mm -hmm -hmm. koala bears, kangaroos. And you see that, um, but what's happened with that is people are not paying it much attention, even though you know it's huge and it contributes. There's climate change issues related to that. So my favorite one was uh, a tweet that suggested if if Australians could just put an image of a Notre Dame out there in the fires, that they might get the attention that they need to deal with this global problem. And then the other, um, another big one I've been seeing is the Dolly Parton challenge. Yeah.
2: That's- that's an awesome. Yeah, one. yeah,
0: tell me about that.
1: So basically, um, she tweet uh, tweeted out pictures, and it's a little four pane thing where you have this is how I look on Facebook. And so Dolly looks like the soccer mom, very different Dolly than the sexy Dolly that's on Tinder. So this is this is th- these are the different faces you put on social media, and who better to represent than Dolly Parton, who is a master at that in her own career. And so then people have done it all over the place. People are are doing their own version of that.
2: Yep. And we see it applied mm-hmm. not just to people themselves, but sort of stretching the idea. I saw one that had been reposted by a, um, a recipe blog that I follow, and it was the same dish but as it would appear on facebook as it would appear on instagram as it would appear on tinder as it would appear on linkedin and you can see it's it's sort of funny to push the boundaries of what does you know fettuccine alfredo look like when it's sort of sexing itself up for tinder versus <laughs> when it's getting really official and business like for linkedin mm. and and being able to sort of play with those ideas in that way is is a really awesome source of creativity to get to see
3: mm.
1: so I guess that's that's an encouraging thing about the internet is there still is that it still is a sandbox there still is yeah. room for play
0: yeah uh, and yeah, that is encouraging it, it uh, so um, what I don't know if you can predict what, what that, that it's almost impossible to predict what well we're heading into like. an
2: election yeah which is guaranteed to just sort of make the internet go crazy so I feel like we're going to see... And and it's it's not... It's going crazy in a bad way and also in a good way. It's because people have a lot to say and they're going to use the tools at their disposal to say it. Yeah. I'll
0: yeah. uh, just have a couple of minutes left. So um, Divination Day.
2: Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> we can end on this. Uh-uh. Jenny
0: Thomas, tell us about Divination Day.
1: <laughs> so we've been reading a book about Newfoundland witches um, in Canada in the 19th and early 20th century. And one of the things they do is is um, read tea leaves, tassiography, or tassiomancy, which is really fun to say. (laughs) And so we're going to do that, and we're going to talk about... Um, perception of patterns. Um, it's kind of like looking at, at clouds in the sky. And we're going to talk about how people bring meaning to their lives and domestic rituals and everything else. But in Newfoundland, um, which it's the most gentle witch craze in the world, I think, because they're Canadians and they're kind, I guess. I mean, can, But um, um, they actually, if you were a witch and muttered about people, it reinforced politeness and the fact that you should share. Um, scholars think it was because it was a uh, Kind of a remote island, and you all needed each other, so you had to share. Even if the person was crusty and muttered a lot and poor, you still had to treat them well. And so, we're looking at how culture gets um, reflected in these these very everyday uh, divination rituals. Um, you know, last week we summoned demons. This week
2: we're going to predict the future, nice. which okay. isn't unrelated to the internet. Several years ago, one of our ballot trends was the Charlie Charlie Challenge, which was a divination ritual where school kids were making a grid that said yes and no in different squares and crossing two pencils on top of them and invoking Charlie Charlie or in other parts of the world, Carlos Carlos, and seeing which way the pencils would tip. And it was sort of like a small scale Ouija board that people posted vines of and tweets of all over the place. So we we still do that in our everyday lives, even when we're not Newfoundland witches at the turn of the century.
0: All right. And speaking about Canadian culture, it, it seems, boy, you know, you get depressed sometimes where American uh, discourse <laughs> is going. We need to bring in uh, mass numbers of Canadian consultants, I think. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, these mm-hmm. people were kind during yeah, the witch yeah, hunts. That's you know, right. Let's, Man. <laughs>
3: wow. If you can be that's nice during
0: some. a witch hunt. Let's Say consult some. them. Let's consult them. <laughs> well, we reached the end of our time. Co-directors of the USU Digital Folklore Project, Jeannie Thomas and Lynn McNeil, have been here to talk about the 2019 digital trends of uh, the year. Lynn, tell us where we can find the Digital Folklore Project.
2: Yes, on Twitter, we are at digfolkproj, D-I-G-F-O-L-K-P-R-O-J. And you can always tweet trends that you find to us using the hashtag digital trend of the year.
0: Okay, very good. Uh, Jeannie Thomas, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Lynn McNeil, thank you. Thank you so much. And tomorrow, uh, Jason Gilmore, Assistant Professor of Communication Studies, will be in. Um, He recently traveled to Iowa. He attended a Trump rally and events by various Democratic presidential candidates. He's got a book coming out uh, in a few months titled Exceptional Me, How Donald Trump Remade the Discourse of American Exceptionalism. Talk about that book. Talk about the election and much more. That's the program tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. On the next radio lab,
1: we're talking about objects. I believe, yeah, wonderful
2: things. Objects brimming with meaning. That that, that it was see. on the moon. Absolutely, this Doesn't. was on the moon. Yes, this was on the yes. moon. Very
1: cool. Very interesting. And
2: with their own impermanence. Let's hide it. We
3: know it's going to disappear.
2: Oh no, no. We know it won't last. I know it was here.
3: That's enough, you guys. Leave it alone.
2: Things. That's on the next radio lab.
3: Saturday more. Saturday at noon on Utah Public Radio